your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. The Bank of Korea recently announced that the overall household debt jumped 11% on-year to 1,257 trillion won as of the end of June, despite tighter loan screening by the government. But Korea isn't the only country suffering from the fast rise in household debt. Korea is actually the world's fifth best savers, though. It actually ranks fifth in terms of the highest household savings rate, which is expected to rise to 8.66% this year. Sweden also saves well. It's one of the four countries with a rate higher than Korea, with 16.45%. So today we look at how this country is handling its housing bubble with Rima Turkaris from the International Monetary Fund. Thank you so much for joining us on this morning. Thank you, Sean. I'm very happy to be with you. So can you explain to us why it's possible to have a problem with household debt in a nation that also ranks very high with household savings? So uh, in Sweden, household debt is indeed very high, as you rightly pointed out. It's close to 180% of disposable income, and it does continue to rise. Uh, And growth in credit is around 8%. Uh, what is probably also um, more of a concern is that the share of households with debt exceeding 600% of disposable income is high at 17%. In tw- 2011, this share was only 10%. And you're right, mm. the uh, savings uh, are quite high in, uh, in, uh, in Sweden, um, and um, these two are together a feature of the Swedish uh, financial system and households. So what are the factors that are driving high household debt? You said what the average is about 180% of disposable income. Right. So over long periods, the main factor driving up household debt in Sweden is rising housing prices. Mm. People borrow to to buy houses. And our analysis indicates that supply constraints And fundamental demand factors like rising income are most important in driving housing prices up in Sweden. Now, of course, low interest rates did contribute to rising housing prices and household debt. But we estimate that the scale of this effect is relatively small compared with the large rises in prices and debt in the past decade. So the low interest rate doesn't seem to be alleviating the housing bubble. There's, that's often a common uh, debate here in Korea as well. Yeah, we do not see that it is the major contributing factor to rising housing prices and household debt. Okay, so that's not, that's not linked. It's more of, like you said, the supply constraints and some demographic factors or people are borrowing more money to uh, buy more house. Uh, what does the banking system in Sweden look like, and does that does do the rules that it uh, implements engage, uh, affect the housing bubble in a positive or a negative way? So the Swedish financial system is large; it's quite large actually, because the assets of, are over five and a half times GDP, and the banking sector comprises more than two thirds of the financial system. But as in many countries, mortgage loans are the largest asset class of Swedish banks. It is notable that the majority of these loans are funded in wholesale markets rather than by deposits. In Sweden, 
the mortgage borrowers benefit from a strong social safety net, and the loan-to-value ratios are relatively low at around 60% for the stock of mortgages. Now, historically, this has meant that bank losses on mortgage loans are comparatively low. What have the Swedish authorities done with that respect? Well, they have strengthened capital requirements, which exceed the Basel III standards ahead of many peers. They have also activated a number of capital buffers over the past few years, including raising their counter-cyclical capital buffer to 2% last March. They also have a floor on mortgage risk rates. And furthermore, the European Banking Authority, the EBA, that conducted stress tests and uh, released the results uh, just recently, the results from those stress tests indicate that the Swedish banks hold sufficient capital buffers that make them resilient to an adverse scenario that is even worse than for most other countries in Europe. So a lot of these measures seem to favor the banks. It protects the banks from uh, losses on mortgage loans. And like you said, it helps protect the financial market as a whole. How has that affected uh, housing prices for consumers? So, yes, these measures are are more about uh, increasing the bank resilience uh, to adverse shocks and uh, their ability to withstand losses should uh, uh, a downside risk uh, materialize. Uh, in terms of uh, housing, pr- are you saying consumer prices? You mean like uh, the level of consumer prices? Yeah. How how are, how do the how does how do these measures affect uh, consumers and in the market specifically with uh, their having to borrow for uh, the. Uh, a housing supply or housing bubble, does it add to the housing bubble or does it protect from a housing bubble? Well, it does protect the, uh, the banks and, uh, and for that reason we are recommending other measures to protect the household, to increase household resilience. But with regards to the housing prices, uh, we do believe that there are uh, structural factors at play, uh, like as you mentioned, the housing supply shortages, they are the main problem. And right. that reforms are needed to ease the supply bottlenecks. And in Sweden, these are like reforming land acquisition and planning, phasing out trend controls. But there are also demand side factors uh, because there is a need to remove tax incentives to hold real estate, uh, such as phasing out mortgage interest deductibility, adjusting capital gains taxes, and raising property taxes. So even though the uh, house prices uh, and their increases are explained by fundamentals such as rising income, uh, demographics, uh, all these factors play a lot, including financial wealth. Uh, But still, uh, these bottlenecks from the supply side and the demand incentives uh, are also contributing to the rise in housing prices. But noting that house prices have recently slowed down significantly in Sweden. Uh, and they are rising at only about 5% per year rather than 15% uh, that we've seen last fall. And the apartment prices in Stockholm have also remained broadly uh, flat. So what we're seeing uh, in Sweden is that there is a slowdown in housing prices. At the same time, credit growth has strengthened a little. Uh, so we do not see that there is uh, a credit fuel uh, boom in Sweden. Mm. So, right, 5% growth. Even 5% these days uh, really make investors salivate. So I could see how 15% a year really favored people going into real estate as a housing asset or as an investment asset. 
Uh, is household debt, though, then mainly an investor problem? Uh, the, the rise in household debt in Sweden isn't necessarily going to cover basic necessities like bread and butter, right? It mainly affects people using the debt to fuel their asset purchases? That is correct. Um, household debt continues to rise, but there is no debt overhang effect on household consumption, uh, to answer your question. Uh, now, these effects were more evident in other countries. Let's, for example, Denmark, after the global financial crisis, when households reduced their consumption for a number of years in order to reduce high debt. But uh, um, in, in Sweden, there's been some uh, investment in housing as well. Uh, which that took some time, but now investment in housing is rising quite strongly, and that is contributing also to Sweden's economic growth that stood at about 4% last year. So this is not going to uh, create a situation for a financial crisis in Sweden? You're just uh, This is more of like regulating some of the uh, imbalances in the housing market? So, yes, there are uh, imbalances in the housing market that we think that need to be addressed. Uh, these are structural factors. Now, uh, as I pointed out, the share of households with high debt to income has risen in, in recent years, and this poses a risk because that increases macroeconomic vulnerabilities simply because research finds that highly indebted households are more sensitive to an interest rate shock because they reduce consumption by several percentage points more in response to a one percentage point increase in the interest rate than households with little debt or households with fixed rate mortgages. So even if uh, the strong health of the banks means that the crisis is avoided, there is still concern that Sweden's economy is more vulnerable to external shocks, especially those that could lead to higher interest rates. Wow. Okay. So just a 1% change in the interest can lead to 7% change in uh, spending. And that really affects the several. several. So that really affects the real economy. Well, Rima Turkaris, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me. And if you have any opinions and questions regarding any of our interviews, please tweet us at EFM This Morning or send us a Facebook message on facebook.com slash EFM This Morning.